You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome to The Strong Room, presented by Macmillan Estate Planning. I'm Herb Ham. With many families enjoying their family cottage these days, we begin the program by talking about keeping the family cottage in the family. It's the topic of many books and articles, and yet no one has yet devised the perfect way to make sure that everyone in the family gets a fair share of the cottage. Despite the best of intentions, cottages can create big family fights. The problem is that the cottage often triggers powerful emotions and long-standing family memories. To explore this topic further, here is trusted estate planning specialist Sherry McMillan in conversation with Peter Watts of News Talk 770. It's a really interesting situation that many families find themselves in, Peter, because the cottage has a lot of meaning to families. It's where they have the opportunity to spend time together. They build memories. Um, So generally speaking, the cottage is quite a memory-making asset in their estate and it's quite sentimental to everyone and that includes the parent group who get to spend time with their children and grandchildren but it also includes the children and grandchildren and so one of the sensitivities about a cottage is making sure that if you want to transfer it to your loved ones and you want them to have the utilization of that asset is that it's never lost to outside risk. And so in modern times, all of us as families have outside risk associated with our estate because unfortunately, if our children, for example, inherit the cottage and let's say they earn, they inherit a third interest because there's three children, the risk is what if that child experiences a divorce? will that cottage now remain with the originating family? And we call this in estate planning, bloodline protection. So the challenges for families in modern times, unfortunately, because divorce rates are 50%, how do I take something that's so valuable, a cottage, that's incurring tax as it's growing and building up in my estate, one day transfer it to my loved ones who want to keep it in the family bloodline and also make sure that it stays in that bloodline through their lifespan. So this is not, again, about um, estate planning being perceived as a death plan. Alternatively, it's about a living plan because it's going to protect the asset while mom and dad use the asset. And then again, when the children use the asset and potentially one day when the grandchildren use the asset. So the fabulous part is there's a solution. And so, you know, first I frame it so that people see that they have a lot in common with other families in the community around that particular asset. And I would say that it's the most emotionally charged asset um, in anyone's estate other than family business. So, you know, it it is the driver often that families come into our office is because they want to be certain that they keep that asset protected. So the tools that we have and availability in Canada are quite unique. And one of the things that happens in a cottage in this is very uh, common, is that you may have appreciation in a cottage because they're often really beautiful properties. Um, We have a family more recently that is going to be building on the lake in BC and, you know, that value, that home will be actually substantially more than their current home here in Calgary. And so you would think, well, how do you plan for tax around that? Well, the first thing to know is in your estate, we're all entitled to a primary home. Each of us are. 
So when we're a married couple, unfortunately, we only get one to share with our partner in crime. But that being said, we can elect in our estate which home is actually the right home in our estate to be considered primary home when we pass on in the estate. And so let's say your house in Calgary is worth um, 750000 but your cottage is worth $2 million. And this is common, uh, Peter, that I see families have a lot more of their affluence designed around the cottage than they do their day-to-day home, especially in retirement because they often downsize and are traveling and then they use the cottage with the family. So what we would want to do in that estate is if that cottage went from two million of value to three million, but the house went from seven fifty to a million, is we wouldn't declare their primary home as the Calgary house. What we would do is we'd declare the cottage as primary and take a tax exemption in the estate. And so the great part about this is we don't have to decide today. In our estates, we can make that election when we need to make the election. And so a lot of families are unaware of that privilege and opportunity. You're listening to the August 13th edition of The Strong Room on News Talk 770, and we'll have more estate planning insights with Sherry McMillan in a moment. But first, a reminder that an ironclad estate plan safeguards your assets. At the next McMillan Estate Planning Seminar, you can discover the powerful strategies that protect your retirement income, help you pay less tax, and keep your family relationships intact. The McMillan Estate Planning Life and Legacy Seminar, Thursday evening, September 29th. Register online at macmillanestate.com. Now back to our guest expert, Sherry McMillan, the president of McMillan Estate Planning, talking about keeping the family cottage in the family. One of the things I share with families is always keep record of all your receipts for both your primary home and your cottage because that adds to what's called the adjusted cost base, which is the value that Canada Revenue Agency will not tax. And so we don't want to lose receipts. Um, And especially it often is in your own mind what you paid for something. So, you know, document it and keep records of the two properties side by side so we can always look at it really quickly and determine what is the best tax solution. I would think the number of people um, who can afford to do so is growing where they have a summer property in in BC or Alberta or anywhere. uh, And then they either travel in the winter or they have a winter property in, say, Arizona or Mexico um, you know, there's that that group would seem to me to be considerably larger than we might suspect. Yes, and every generation as we're aging um, is more attracted to this idea. So predominantly, you know, only the very affluent had primary home and a cottage years ago. But I would say that a lot of families are now electing to have a secondary property Um you know, in the more middle class group, I would say today. So we have lots of baby boomers, for example, who've bought, you know, the condo in Fernie because they go ski there on the weekend. Or we have um, the person that buys the Phoenix uh, townhouse on the golf course so that they can winter and they're smart and they sneak out of here when it's really cold. Um, that's far away still, isn't it? A couple of few months, I yeah, think. Absolutely. So I think that you're right. It's not uncommon anymore. It's actually more common than not common. And so it's something really important in families' estates because they build a lot of memories around this asset. So the first thing is the tax, making sure we've protected the taxation on it. 
And in the U.S., we protect it differently with tax. We don't protect it in the same way as we do in Canada because we have the IRS to arm wrestle with instead of CRA. So we, we arm wrestle a little differently there. What we do in the United States is we often build a trust to hold the U.S. property for that family so that they're not exposed to U.S. estate tax because we don't want that. It can be as much, Peter, as up to 40, 45% taxation at present. So we don't obviously want that taxation happening in a family's sentimental asset. So the way we solve that is we don't have the family directly own the property. Alternatively, we set up a U.S. trust and the U.S. trust owns the property. And that simplifies the taxation on the estate and mitigates it. So it's a a great solution um, for families that want to buy U.S. property. You've often talked to us on this program about uh, differences in laws as well between B.C. and Alberta as an example. The cottage in B.C. by law, by B.C. law, has to be treated differently than if that cottage was you know, on Glenifer Lake in Alberta. That's absolutely accurate because what happens is each province in Canada has its own legislation and it has its own tax tables as well. So what happens in BC, for example, is when you design your estate in BC, you must treat all your children in an equal manner. So if you wanted to give, let's say, your son who participated in contributing to the cottage with sweat equity and you wanted to give him a higher ratio of the cottage or you wanted to give him the cottage and offset it with cash with your Alberta children, we have a bit of a disconnect and a problem in legislation because you're dealing with two pieces of legislation. And in Alberta, we're allowed to treat our children in a disequal manner. So they're counterintuitive. They don't work together appropriately. One of my favorite lawyers who's now passed, he used to say, it's trying, it's like trying to play Monopoly and Scrabble. And in one game, you know, you're, you're looking at these rules and these rules are the complete opposite of them. So, well, and the problem is that Boardwalk's got more than seven letters. So it's a problem it right off the bat. It is a problem. Yeah. It is. So I think, you know, the great part is, is understanding that you have to look at each piece of legislation and where your assets are and make sure you account for those legislational differences in each jurisdiction. So there are solutions. Peter, what we can use often are trusts and trusts um, are not going through the will process. They don't go through probate. And so they're not challenged under the estate legislation. And so we can actually circumvent the problem. So it's just a matter of knowing what kind of assets you have in what jurisdiction and then what the regulations are in that jurisdiction so that we can uh, find the right design and goal for that family's objectives. When we come back after this short break what you should look for in an estate planner. This is The Strong Room. 